0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Himalaya. In the early stages of the COVID crisis, governments around the world took quick action to support their economies.
1: As lockdowns shut at businesses, governments quickly introduced emergency packages. They increased spending on health care and gave money to people working in industries most hit by the lockdowns.
0: The U.S. passed several bills that collectively pumped $2.8 trillion into the economy to help support struggling businesses and families in the first half of 2020. But as Joe Biden geared up to assume the U.S. presidency, he was still facing a weak recovery and chose to pump another $1.9 trillion into the economy after he assumed office.
1: A lot of politicians were worried that if they didn't do enough, the recovery could take years, much as it did following the global financial crisis in 2008.
0: I think that worry was on everyone's minds. Governments often step into counter booms and busts in an effort to keep the economy on track, and you want to do the right amount.
1: Fiscal policy is the term used to describe the government's use of spending and tax policies to influence economic conditions.
0: And fiscal policy is our topic on this week's Think Like an Economist with me, Betsy Stevenson.
1: And I'm Justin Wolfers. We're teaching you some powerful tools from economics that you can use to transform your life and the economy. Nasdaq tavakoli Fire is with us.
2: Last episode, we looked at monetary policy and how central banks set interest rates. Now we're going to discuss how policymakers can adjust government spending and tax policies to help tame business cycles.
1: This is known as fiscal policy. When the government changes its spending or tax policy, governments use expansionary fiscal policy, which is spending more or cutting taxes when the economy is weak, and they're hoping to stimulate demand for more output.
0: And they engage in contractionary fiscal policy, cutting government spending and or raising taxes when the economy is starting to overheat and they want to reduce demand.
2: In a recession, the problem businesses face is that there's just not enough demand. People don't want to buy stuff, so businesses have to cut back. They produce less and they create fewer jobs.
0: During the COVID pandemic, people stopped buying a lot of things like movie tickets, hotel stays, restaurant meals, gym memberships. But also, people just cut back across the board because they weren't sure if they might lose their job later on. So people get a little conservative in their spending.
1: And the people who worked in each of these industries, they lost their jobs. They couldn't pay rent. They couldn't buy basics like food. So those painful cuts spur the economy to an even deeper recession as they cut back more. And that led to more layoffs, which led to more cutbacks and so on.
0: The COVID recession provides a really unique lens for considering what can happen. GDP fell sharply in March and April of 2020. Much of that was driven by plummeting consumer spending. But a
2: big COVID relief package passed the US Congress in March 2020, right?
0: Yeah, in fact, there were three bills that passed and they put a lot of money in people's hands. And while people didn't start going to the movies or hotels and restaurants because of COVID, it did stop and reverse some of that snowball effect and consumer spending really picked up. In fact, Consumer spending rebounded in May, even though the pandemic was still accelerating. The worst of the pandemic hadn't ended, but the worst of the recession had ended because of that increase in government spending.
2: So the government gives people money and they spend it, and that's expansionary fiscal
1: policy. That's one way to do it. Both the Trump and the Biden administration sent out checks to nearly every American in the wake of the COVID recession. Tens of millions of people also receive payments through unemployment benefits.
0: These are called transfer payments because they transfer money from the government's account into your bank account. Because these transfers don't involve any production, they aren't directly counted as an increase in GDP, but they can boost demand and output and employment by incentivizing the people who get those payments to spend more.
1: Likewise, a tax cut puts more money in people's hands. And if you've got more money in your hands, you're more likely to spend more.
0: And what about when the government
2: makes purchases directly?
0: That also stimulates demand. I mean, if there are a bunch of unemployed people and underutilized equipment, it's a great time for the government to build things like bridges and roads or fund research projects or update their computer equipment. When the government purchases things or contracts or services, then it's competing with the private sector, who might also like to try to hire those workers or that company or buy that product. With less demand from the private sector, it's a good time for the government to get its projects done.
1: And realize when the government spends money, there are also second and third round effects. When the government pays Betty's construction company to build more roads, she'll need to hire more workers. Those newly employed workers, they might buy more sandwiches at your deli, Naz.
2: And if I hire more people to make those sandwiches, they'll then use some of their new income to buy clothes.
1: So the clothing store owner now has more money, which she might spend on something else. And so it goes on, as an initial dollar of spending will have broader ripple effects.
0: So what Jetson's describing is the multiplier effect. This is the idea that an extra dollar of government spending can cause output to rise by more than a dollar. The multiplier effect exists because of the interdependence principle. That initial dollar of spending boosts someone else's income, which can cause yet more spending, which in turn will boost someone else's income, which will cause more spending, and so on and so on.
1: The multiplier effect is really important when the economy is in a slump, because then there's plenty of scope for businesses to expand their output. If only they could get more customers.
0: The key to the multiplier effect is people spending that money that the government's putting in their hands. So if the government sends a stimulus check to you, Naz, and you decide to pay off your credit card debt, then that government spending, it didn't boost output at all.
2: Yeah, and that's because paying off debt is the same as saving. It boosts my financial situation, but it has no impact on current GDP and doesn't generate
1: income for anyone.
0: Right. Fiscal policy is most effective when it's targeted, timely, and temporary.
1: Alliteration makes everything better, and these are the three T's of fiscal policy. Targeted, timely, and temporary.
2: And targeted is about how it doesn't help to give money to people who are going to save it. So transfers should be targeted to those who are most likely to spend it.
1: Right. And the people most likely to spend it are often those who need it most. Like if you've lost your job and you get a check from the government... You'll probably use it to pay for food and housing rather than paying down debt or building up your saving or your stock portfolio.
0: This is an important difference with monetary policy, which just can't target specific groups.
2: Timely means that we want fiscal policymakers to act quickly when they see the economy doing poorly.
1: That's the idea. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out. Politicians can be slow to respond, and even when an individual politician wants to respond quickly, they end up bickering with their party or with the other party, and it takes ages to get to agreement. And then the government has to find something to spend the money on, and if they don't have shovel-ready projects, there's nothing to spend the money on, so the money doesn't get out the door quickly enough.
0: Timely is also related to the last T, which is temporary. This is the idea that there's no more need for extra spending once the economy has recovered. So we want those boosts to spending and expansionary monetary policy to be temporary.
1: In fact, if the economy has fully recovered and even starts to operate beyond its potential, the government might want to enact contractionary fiscal policy when it lowers government spending and transfer payments and raises taxes.
0: These measures lead to less output. The government tends to consider contractionary fiscal policy When it's worried that excess output could lead to higher inflation.
1: So the government can switch between contractionary and expansionary fiscal policy in an effort to counter the ups and downs of the business cycle.
2: So increased government spending is helpful when output is below potential, but can be harmful when output is above potential. And that's why fiscal policy should be timely and temporary.
1: That's right. Government spending can crowd out production by regular businesses. This is because when the economy gets to full employment, so resources start to be limited, the government ends up competing with private sector businesses for those resources. For instance, if the government hires folks, there are fewer workers left for businesses to hire. If it borrows money, there's less left over for businesses to borrow, and that'll force up the interest rate, which will force regular businesses to invest less.
0: That's another reason that countercyclical government spending is a good idea the government should expand its spending during recessions and then contract it as the economy improves because the best time to make investments is when there are a lot of idle resources that can be used.
1: Naz, think about it. When does it make most sense to start a big road-building project? When the economy's in a recession and there are millions of unemployed workers and lots of spare machines just sitting around unused? Or during a boom when everyone has a job and inputs are hard to get hold of?
2: I see. So the government ought to invest in infrastructure during an economic slump, because that's when the opportunity cost of these resources is really low.
0: Exactly. So we have two rationales for the government to spend more in a slump. The first is that its spending can help push the economy into a better place. The second is that the recession is also when it's cheapest to make much needed investments.
2: Last point about crowding out cautions against extra government spending or cutting taxes when the economy has recovered and is operating at its potential.
1: Some of this happens automatically because as the economy improves, people earn more, so they pay more in taxes. They also apply for fewer benefits from safety net programs.
2: These are called automatic stabilizers because they work to stabilize things without policymakers having to do anything.
1: That's right. Automatic stabilizers are spending and tax programs that adjust automatically as the economy expands and contracts without the need for Congress or Parliament to take any deliberate action.
0: In a recession, people lose their jobs and apply for unemployment benefits at high rates. But as the economy starts to improve, there are fewer people that are going to draw on unemployment benefits. So government spending on benefits rises automatically in a recession but falls automatically as the economy starts to improve. The government doesn't need to pass any new laws. So
2: there's an inbuilt automatic tendency for government spending to rise in a recession and to fall in an expansion.
0: Yeah, and the tax system does something pretty similar because taxes are a percentage of your income. So if your income falls, your tax bill's going to fall.
1: There's also another more subtle reason why tax payments fall during a recession. When incomes are lower, when we have a progressive tax system, then a lower income qualifies you for a lower tax rate. And so as your income falls, you're going to fall into a lower tax bracket, which means that your tax payments will fall even more.
2: Overall, the government ends up with less tax revenue during a recession.
1: Yes, and that means that people and business owners get to keep more of their money, which hopefully they're then going to spend.
0: What's great about automatic stabilizers is that they're also timely, targeted, and temporary.
1: They're timely because automatic stabilizers kick in whenever your income changes.
0: And they're targeted because, well, automatic stabilizers are going to focus on the people who've had the biggest impact from a recession or the biggest improvement from a boom.
1: And they're temporary because they automatically switch on or off if the direction of the business cycle changes too.
2: We have two ways to deal with booms and busts. We have monetary policy and we also have fiscal policy. Now, which is most
0: effective and when? Well, monetary policy is more nimble. Central banks like the Fed are always assessing the state of the economy and they can implement changes in the interest rate literally by simply scheduling a meeting with the relevant policymakers.
1: But monetary policy is also less direct. Changes in the interest rate can occur straight away, but those changes don't immediately boost spending. Rather, they change the incentives to spend and it may take people a while to adjust. And so monetary policy only affects the economy with what economists call long and variable lags. And it can take a year or two for the full effect to add up.
0: That's why I like the idea of a lot of fiscal policy operating through automatic stabilizers, because they operate quickly and directly.
1: But an advantage of politicians jumping in with specific fiscal policies is that they can be targeted. A change in the interest rate will impact everyone in the economy. But say a particular industry or region is having trouble, say as the service sector was during the COVID recession, Well, fiscal policy can be targeted to particular people in that industry or in the affected regions. And we could make even more automatic stabilizers respond in a more targeted way, like her unemployment insurance idea.
0: Fiscal policy is especially important when interest rates are already low, an idea known as the zero lower bound.
2: Meaning that nominal interest rates can't be set to below zero.
1: That's right. And so central banks sometimes find they can't cut rates any further. When that happens... Fiscal policy is essential.
2: We've been talking about some really big numbers and concepts. How can we think about fiscal policy as it relates to our own
1: lives? Fiscal policy has a very direct impact on our lives. During the COVID recession, many families around the world received a cheque from the government. And for many of those families, that cheque was the difference between going hungry and being able to put some food on the table. Fiscal
0: policy during a recession puts money in the pockets of lots of people, and that helps boost their spending, which prevents other people from losing their jobs. This can mean that unemployment doesn't rise as much as it otherwise would, and that the economy recovers faster than it would without fiscal policy.
1: So the direct effect is, if we get fiscal policy right, economic conditions for all of us are going to be a whole lot better.
2: Betsy, Justin, thank you.
1: Yes, it was a lot of fun chatting about fiscal policy and how governments can help smooth business cycles. I love this stuff, but I sort of have a feeling a lot of our listeners are wondering about the elephant in the room.
0: By elephant, he means a $61 trillion elephant. That's the sum of government debt around the world. Government debt is rising in a lot of countries and rose substantially as countries fought COVID.
1: Government debt and deficits, what's going on and? Whether we need to worry about them, they're our topic on our next episode of Think Like an Economist.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: There's a lot more from this show and others like it on the Himalaya Learning platform.
0: Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts for you to enjoy in the app, on the go.
1: For exclusive content, including bonus episodes and supplemental materials, go to Himalaya.com econ and enter promo code econ at checkout for your first 14 days free.
0: Himalaya.com econ has loads of great shows like ours, so try it out. Using the promo code econ at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time
1: to think like an economist. One, two, three, four.
2: Those are numbers